Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Lefty, program of the Victorian Labor College. In the studio is John Lafferty. Morning, everybody. And myself, Chris Gaffney. And as we say, as we have said in the past, we are actively looking for a third presenter on this program, a woman. You may remember the program used to have two men and one woman, and we would like to replicate that again. So if you're a woman that's interested in being a presenter on Keep Left, get in touch with me, Chris Gaffney, at 3CR, and uh, we'll have a talk about it, and we'll have you on as a guest, and you can see whether you like it or... We can see what happens. So if you ever thought, gee, I'd like to do that, get in touch with me and we'll have a chat about it. All right. Okay, John, you're going to fire away first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think it was yesterday was the uh, first anniversary of the killing of the Charlie Hebdo workers in Paris. Contrary to the views of many, the paper has not specifically targeted Islam in its articles. It has, in fact, targeted many sacred cows, but only some of these have reacted with cold-blooded murder. In its latest edition, Charlie Hebdo features a godlike caricature. I don't know how to know what God looks like, <laughs> especially when they're atheists. But anyway, they have a godlike caricature on, its, on the front page. This front page has been severely criticised in the Vatican newspaper, L'Osservatore Romano. Hopefully, Catholic heart feelings don't result in any more bloodshed. But seriously, it is great to see the bastion of free speech uh, which Charlie Hebdo represents still exists in the present climate of fear and censorship, so hopefully they can keep up the good work. I'm not uh, so sure of it. I only wish we could have it here. Well, I wish we could have a satirical magazine, perhaps like <coughs> Private Eye would be yeah. good. But well, Charlie could. Hebdo, I totally, like you, um, uh, fully support their right to put it whatever they like it, but... We shouldn't be fooled in thinking the content is necessarily left-wing or progressive in this. I mean, it's just, a lot of it's just anti-Muslim for the sake of being anti-Muslim. Yeah, but this is uh, upsetting the Catholic Church. That's what I just said, Chris. Yeah, I understand it's not, that. I understand it's that. It's not well, specifically Understanding talking. the Catholic Church is a positive <laughs> outcome, I think. <laughs> okay, so you're, okay, so you're sticking with this. It's, it's, it's good if they attack the Catholics. It's bad if they attack the Muslims. No, I don't say that at all. I don't say that at all. No? Okay. Yeah. No, well, what, I, what I'm saying is that while I defend uh, Charlie Hebro's right to yeah. do anything and have cartoons of the, the prophet, whatever they want to do, we should be capable of independently evaluating what politics it is putting forward. We Don't question his right to put them forward, but whether we necessarily agree with those politics is a different question, I think. Well, you know, when it comes to satire, I think, you know, generally satire can attack a whole lot of folk. You know, generally satire, that's what satire does, depending on where it's coming from. Well, they're, exactly they're, they're going to have their own particular targets. I mean, Peter Cook, who was the guy who created Private Eye, yeah. he was no left winger by any stretch of the oh, imagination. Oh, I, I know, I know. So I'm, I'm surprised you're sort of bringing Private Eye up. Well, I do, I do, well, Private Eye is, if you've been looking at it recently, has been having, is mainly... A, still a, gone. It's still going. Oh, of course. Attacking the Conservative government for selling oh. the post office to all its wealthy friends. Yeah. It's happening here. Yeah, yeah, it's going to oh. happen. It's going to happen here post even office. more. Oh. But Private Eye, Private Eye, you can generally agree with them. They're not left-wing politics. But In, interesting, that Private Eye, privatisation. It's out of interest. All right, yes, well, you're easily amused. Go on. No, I'm private. <laughs> I missed the start of that word right. you just used. Okay, go on. Anyway, on, on, um, on the news, just about a year ago, the company International Flavors and Fragrances, the, the, the company which is based in Dandenong uh, here, was occupied by workers. And we spoke to them, if you remember. We spoke to a fellow called uh, Dominic yes, uh, here, here at Keep Left. Now, these workers at International Flavors and Fragrances, IFF, they managed to get a better deal from management following the occupation of the factory. It's a big factory. Uh, it's American, actually. They've got, a US, they've got a Stars and Stripes outside the France. It's actually an American company. Mm-hmm. Well, now, this very same company 
at its a branch in Turkey has responded to organisation of a union, mere organisation of a union at the factory by dismissing the unionised workers. So workers sacked simply for forming a union, right? Uh, joining a union, I think it's actually forming a union. In response, the tobacco, drink, food and allied union in Turkey have organised the picket and they are calling on people to send messages of protest to the management. So if you do want to uh, protest this blatant denial of human rights, you can do so at the website www.iuf.org. IUF. And I, I, yeah, WW, not to be mixed up with the company, which is yeah. IFF, right? So if you, if you want to go to www.iuf.org, org, and you'll be able to send a message of support for the workers and uh, calling on the company. Well, to that's exactly what we should be doing. Workers should be fighting <coughs> internationally, just like the bosses do. Mm. Well, I mean, these companies are international. Yes, I believe, believe IFF is an American company. It's in Turkey, it's in Australia, it's yeah, all around the world. They're right. internationalist. We no, have to right. be. That's you know, We have to be. Now, uh, something else that um, I, I stumbled upon last week... Uh, last week, a caller who called himself Cam rang up, and he wanted to discuss the topic of fascism. Yes. Uh, fascism is a very serious topic, so I decided, he was addressing me, I believe, so it's a very serious topic, so I decided to answer some of Cam's concerns. Cam referred to comments I made, this has gone back about five weeks, where I spoke of events at a rally in Melton. At this rally, I said I heard some extreme anti-Jewish comments. Yeah. Cam mistakenly said that I said those comments were made by a right-wing skinhead. No, I said those comments were made by a fundamentalist Muslim I was speaking to. This character said it was perfectly fine that Saudi Arabia has no synagogues. He said it was not fine that Australia was a secular society. And finally, he said that Jewish people, sorry if this upsets anyone, but this is what he said, <laughs> Jewish people should be set fire to. Well, this guy was on the proclaimed anti-fascist side of the rally. Now, such comments would actually appear, if you, if you have any understanding of these things, would have actually appeared to be fairly in line with the outlook of the original Nazis. But Cam tries to position himself as being anti-fascist. Cam tried to do this by dreaming up a supposed quote by Adolf Hitler, where Hitler says if the opposition had stood up to the Nazis earlier, the Nazis would have been defeated. I'm fairly confident that the actual Hitler quote that Cam has misheard is this one. Quote, Adolf Hitler, If France had then marched into the Rhineland, we would have had to withdraw with our tails between our legs. This is where Hitler is referring to the German retaking of the Rhineland in 1936. The Rhineland had been handed to France under the highly punitive Versailles Treaty of 1919. Now, at the time, the chief of the German general staff, General Ludwig Beck, warned Hitler that the German army would be unable to successfully defend Germany against a possible French, uh, a retaliatory French attack if the French had responded militarily. The Polish. Because, okay, so Cam has, has dreamed up this Hitler quote, right? Mm. And it, it refers to tails between the legs, right? Yeah. Just, just, just listen but to I mean, this. He, hear me through, hear me through. Yeah. Hitler was not speaking about early resistance to the Nazis. Right. Hitler was speaking about 1930... Chris? Yeah? He was speaking about in 1936 when the German army moves into Fra- the Rhineland, right, 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 which right. had been given to France. Okay, so you, you you follow on that part? Yes, I am. Okay, so uh, just hear me through, and yeah. you'll see where he's mistaken it. And you can't just make these mistakes. All right, now go on. You, know, <laughs> you can't you can't just dream up no, no, quotes and oh, no, dream no, up I'm, history. I'm not you know, to defend him. I'm trying to, 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 to support some simplistic black and white worldview. Okay, Stop, what, yeah, so yeah. the Polish ambassador to Germany said this quote. Hermann Göring, the head of the Luftwaffe, was visibly terrified of Hitler's decision to remilitarize the Rhineland, and he didn't—he uh, didn't conceal. Göring didn't conceal that it was against the Reichswehr's advice, the German army's advice. There was much, much more than this. I won't go into it. 
There is a pile of evidence to support the view that the Germans would have retreated if challenged. And as I just said, even Hitler said so. So, it appears obvious that the quote can mistakenly refers to is actually referring to this particular piece of history. It is not referring to internal German resistance uh, to the, the Nazis in the early days. Yes. You with so me there? Why, yeah, I am, but I can't understand why, why you'd be bothered telling us this. Because he, because Cam has confused. I understand he's done that, but what has quote. the relevance? What's okay? What's the relevance in two thousand sixteen? Okay, well, see, he was trying to suggest, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm really explaining this if I keep going, but he's mm. trying to suggest that Hitler said, if only they had resisted us. I mean, yeah, the Red yeah. Front is massive in those yeah, days, yeah, course, massive, so. you know. Uh-huh. If only they'd resisted us, then we wouldn't have got into power. Yeah. This is that's a basic I'm line, sure that's and he uses right. he, he, what well, he, he, he dreams up a Hitler quote. I've given the accurate Hitler quote, but he dreams up a quote to back this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wrong. The quote is wrong. Yeah, and huh? so... And, and so he shouldn't be using it. He shouldn't be dreaming up dodgy history. No, no, true, oh. true, true. Okay, to back up a fallacious argument in the present. The giveaway is when Cam later, because you see, the, Hitler speaks about tales between the legs, right? Yeah. Now, wherever the English or whatever, German, whatever. But the giveaway is because Cam later refers to the 50 Melbourne fascists, 50, leaving with their tails between their legs at Richmond Town Hall. Right. Okay, you see the connection? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That's the very phrase attributed to Hitler, which I just gave. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't go into whether or not there's a German equivalent of that English phrase. I'm just hoping that the point is... I'm, I'm, can I make, I'll make my point clear. It doesn't matter. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody will, will get this, uh, hopefully. When Cam uses this phrase, he seems to be imagining himself as a brave fighter against modern-day fascism. Cam himself says that 300 of his allies chased down 50, 50 mm-hmm. of the other clowns. 50 out of a population of 4 million does not in any way equate to what took place in Weimar Germany in the 20s and 30s. And ganging up six against one doesn't make anyone a hero. Cam also takes to paraphrasing Leon Trotsky. Trotsky made this comment, if you cannot convince a fascist, acquaint his head with the pavement. I suspect that Cam may be trying to convince somebody that he's a Trotskyist or a Trotskyite with this one. It was also stated that during... I'm not sure if it was Cam or if it was yourself. It was also stated, though, that the mainstream media... This is, this, is, this is a constant refrain. You hear this all the time. The MSM, the mainstream media, are largely responsible for giving Reclaim Australia and the UPF too much publicity. Yeah, now, I don't watch... You follow... You go along with that, do you? I made this point. You did, right, okay. I don't watch television or read papers as a general rule. However, what I've seen is self-proclaimed left-wingers giving the right-wingers too much publicity. Hardly anybody would have even heard of a tiny group such as UPF if it wasn't for the likes of Cam constantly reacting to them. I heard a few weeks ago from a supposed left-winger, this is what he said, that he apparently knew the UPF and he even knew their names and addresses and said that they had... Five, five actual members. Hardly the Nazi brown shots of the 1920s and 1930s. They numbered in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions so you, of members. I'm trying to get to what you're saying. So you're saying we should ignore the fascists? Is that what you're well, saying? I'm saying it's an awful lot of waste of energy, right? And it's, a, and it's a pretty crap tactic. If you've got 50 clowns at Richmond Town Hall, what do you think is going to happen if you don't go up and wave your banners and stomp your feet? What, what do you think is going to happen with these guys? Well, I, I can't answer that. They will be ignored. Nothing will happen. They will get no publicity, right? They will get no uh, attraction to people, no sympathisers, because they will not be known I think they'll of, still get. Pu- right? I think they'll still get publicity From because who? it's the interest... Well, I think it's in the interest of the capitalist papers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be interviewed. What is in the interest of the capitalist party? Because it's because it's an anti anti labour force. It's an anti trade union force. What, 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 and it's anti progressive. Who is anti labour and who is anti trade union? Well, the fascists. I went to I went to a Trotskyist meeting just a week or so ago, and they totally wanted to wipe out all trade unions. I haven't seen those well, UPF or reclaim. That's a, that's anyway, a, I haven't I haven't seen UPF or reclaim Australia saying they want to get rid of unions at all. 
Well, the fest anyway, is I'll the first go thing they, I'll go in on. Germany, the fest is the first thing they yes, did was... Yes, in Germany in the 1920s yeah, and but 1930s, I mean, but well, not in Germany no, in the I know 1920s that, but and if 1930s. if they could, they would. I agree they can't at the moment. Who would if they, they could? The fascists would close down the trade unions Which fascists tomorrow. are you talking about? Well, the UP, whatever they're called, the uh, yeah, well, Patriots okay. of Australia, whatever they are, would crush well, working why don't class they, Why don't they say... If they could. Yeah, so that, they're not going to That's their state of them. That is not their state of them. Well, I don't believe that is what they're about at all, crushing unions. Like I say, I saw Trotsky well, saying that they were I'm going by the nature of fascism, okay. not what they yes, say. Yes, so no, but this this generalisation, and it's this failure to use praxis and to be adaptable that is really causing a whole lot of this waste of energy chasing after shadows. Let me go on. Because Cam also comments... That's not long to go. Yeah. Cam, yeah. Cam, <laughs> Cam, Cam also comments on the question of Islamophobia. The point I made was actually related to the Herald Sun's reporting of the killings in San Bernardino last month. Despite the fact that the alleged killers were described as religious Muslims, there was no equating of Islam with terrorism in the Herald Sun's three-page report the next day. The religion of the alleged killers was practically ignored. It must be tricky when the evidence doesn't match your theory. Islamophobia may be, certainly was, certainly in the post-9-11 days, uh, years. Islamophobia may be useful to the establishment at some time, so, but is. not at other times. Clearly the people in power know how and when to change tactics if and when required. It's not always, it's not always used to, to be used as a tactic. It isn't, it isn't always necess- necessary. It isn't always useful in the capitalist class's interest. You would have to say that the press have been hostile to, to the Muslims for right. years. Use praxis, be adaptable, adjust and readjust the theory to reflect the material reality. I think now they're, you know, the people in power, that's why they're in power for one reason, are able to be an awful lot more flexible than some on the supposed left are. So Cam, and I'm using Cam's first name because that's the only name he gave, decided to refer to me by my surname. Cam, if you're listening, it may be the case that private school boys refer to each other by their surnames, but amongst working class people like myself, we use first names. This shouldn't be too hard to manage, so hopefully cleared up a few points there. Not for me, but I hope it did for Cam. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure other people will get this. Right, okay. Well, uh, during the week, uh, President Obama has come on television and he's cried on television about the gun victims uh, and and his proposed reforms for that are so not going to change anything that's actually funny. But during his uh, uh, speech, he blamed... The misdirected anger and frustration of blue-collar men, he actually names him, oh, yeah. for the rise of the billionaire uh, state mogul Donald Trump. So Donald Trump is the fault of blue-collar working-class people, according to, uh, according to Obama. From the culmination of stagnant wages and a decline in industrial employment, the president concluded, quote, that there's going to be potential anger, frustration and fear, some of it justified, but some of it misdirected. I think somebody like Mr. Trump is taking advantage of that. Now, Obama uh, made no references at all to the devastating conditions facing the bulk of the population, as if he and his party had absolutely nothing to do with it. Is this the guy who's been the president for the past seven years? Yeah, it's the one. Oh, okay. But what is most striking is that the president accepts entirely the racial stereotypes to characterise bourgeois politics, and particularly in identity politics. That is, that white workers are hopelessly backward and racist mm. and are looking to be led by a demagogue like Trump. God and guns, he's always been like that. That's right. That. But the reality is that there's not a mass racist movement amongst American workers, and polls show widespread disgust for Trump amongst all sections of the population, including blue-collar workers. To the extent that they fail to respond to those identity issues mm. presented as left wings, that is, racism, sexism, and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. uh, affirmative action for women and racial minorities, while at the same time denouncing white workers as reactionary. Mm. Any ability that Trump has to exploit grievances and deep anger and, and focus them in a reactionary way is due for what, what passes for left in official American politics. 
It's only a matter of time before a demagogue like Trump would step in to take advantage of the political vacuum because mm. there's no outlet within the official political setup for mass grievances of the workers to find expression. And we have exactly the same problem here. Correct. Which is why we get the appearance of uh, Neanderthal fascist groups and also because there's no way for working class people to... Uh, Trump is uh, used to be a Democrat. He is now a Republican. He is a, he's a major part of one of the establishment parties. Oh, it's no okay. question. So you'd need to be referring to someone within the Liberal Party would be the... Obvious. Not only does Obama propose nothing to ameliorate the dire situation faced by millions of people, he expects the American people to forget that his administration has seen a huge assault on the working class that has resulted in the greatest transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich in world history. As for blue-collar men who now have a lot of trouble in this new economy, Obama says, it's in fact the Obama administration that set the mould for lower living standards throughout government bankruptcies uh, and bank government bankruptcies of General Motors and Chrysler's during the week in which the workers of or new auto workers were cut in half and their health benefits and retired benefits decimated. The Obama administration, like the Liberal Party in Australia, is the culmination of a long historical process during which the Democratic Party, and in Australia read the Labor Party, has abandoned a programme of social reform with which it's previously been associated. Over the past four days, the Democratic Party has moved sharply to the right as the ruling class as a whole has responded to the decline in American capitalism. The trade unions in America have essentially abandoned the working class, including many white-collar workers who now reside in Republican-dominated states. The unions have worked closely with the companies in the Democratic Party in dismantling entire industries, wiping out thousands of jobs. Um, the Re Democratic Party and its hangers-on have worked to redefine left politics to focus entirely on issues of identity, gender, race and sexuality rather than class. Mm. And that's what's lacking. This uh, process reached a culmination in Obama presented as a transformational candidate who, because of his race... Mm -hmm would change the identity of uh, American politics. I remember I listened to this program, rang up and said, mm -hmm. now that Obama's been elected, racism will end in the United States. And presumably if Hillary's elected, sexism will end. Well, apparently, exactly. It's great, good, isn't it? It it's is. Good, <laughs> good, two things at once. Oh, yeah. All we need is a black woman will have, uh, and a worker will have solved all problems. No, 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 no. Many on. workers, including white-collar workers, supported Obama in 2008 on the basis that he was somehow going to change things. The Democratic Party, of course, is now is even more associated with Wall Street and hedge fund operators than the Republicans, who were the traditional party of the banks and big business. For his part, Trump seeks to exploit the hypocrisy and absurdity of so much of what underlies identity politics. Uh, the most basic dynamic in the United States is the deep anger and hostility of the vast majority of the working people which includes what they call middle-class people, which mm. is still working-class people. Yeah. <laughs> what is required for this sentiment to find progressive exp expression, creating the conditions for dealing with the likes of Trump, is the building of an independent political movement of the working class outside the Democratic Party and its left periphery. And that applies in Australia. It is only when we build something outside the Labor Party that the working class will have their interests able to be expressed. Well, I like a lot of what you said there. But I think also actually an attraction of Trump. I mean, what would be the attraction of Trump? I think it goes along with this. It's very much about personality. You know, and the more Trump says something absolutely ridiculous, uh, he's actually maybe... I think a lot of this stuff is maybe deliberate, but then again, I thought Tony Abbott was saying stupid things deliberately. So I could be wrong. But I think it's this, this attraction of Trump is maybe that he's seen as being some kind of outsider. He's some way different from ordinary yeah, politicians. He says what he thinks. He just, you know, he's clearly mm. doesn't mm. have this, you know, they put your mouth in gear before. But what was it? Put your brain in gear before you engage your mouth? Yes, yeah, Whatever, you know. And, you know, and he's a bit of a laugh, you know, and he's a, he's a, he's a larrikin or whatever I think would be the Australian term. So I think an awful lot of that is the attraction of Trump. Well, um, yes, but, but also he provides a scapegoat for their... 
yeah. frustration fear. and fear and mm. desperation mm. that if it's all a part of these bloody Mexicans coming up And here, they're going to pay for the wall, well, the yeah, Mexicans. I bet they are. I bet they are. <laughs> I bet they're looking forward to that. <coughs> Has there been any response from the Mexicans, I wonder, you know? But so that's what I think, uh, that, that thing, I think oh, it's a lot of what Trump is about, you know? But who created all these economic conditions in the US in the past seven years? I mean, Obama's been Democrats? president. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Exactly. He's well, been the president. He appears to think he's blameless for well, all of this. Because well, exactly. he's so inactive, probably. Well, that's, it's the same with the Labour Party here. I mean, wealth, the disparity between rich and poor increased more under Labour than it did under the Liberals. Mm. That period of 83 to 96 in which the Labour Party was there saw the greatest transfer of wealth from rich from the poor, poor to, rich, yeah. to the rich. Mm. I just wanted to comment on... Uh, Given we come back to uh, Will Potics repeatedly, uh, to make clear the, the nature of the regime that's in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a lot of anti-Russian feeling drummed up because of what the Russian supposed role in the Ukraine is. Yeah. Ukraine. Uh, and uh, you may remember that uh, the present Ukrainian government got there by a coup, what, two years ago, in which they overthrew the elected government, which wasn't much of a government, you'd have to say, but it was pro-Russian. And it was overthrown in a coup. And it brought the present country's leader, a bloke called Petro Poroshenko, mm. whose, unfor- whose approval rating now is down to 17%. Um, but in an article, in a, in a, in a video posted on, uh, posted on the internet, a prominent member of the Nationalist Radical Party can be seen riding in an SUV drinking vodka and singing to an anti-Semitic song titled Adolf Hitler is Together With Us. Adolf Hitler is together with us. Adolf Hitler is in each of us and an eagle with iron wings will help us at the right time. That's a song. It will help us at the right time. Um, as, and interestingly, as part of his duties as a member of the Ukrainian parliament, this bloke sits on a committee designed for improving ties between Israel and the Ukraine. Oh. It just gets more. <laughs> the far-right leader made international headlines in January 2015 when he threw blood in the face of the leader of the Communist Party of Russia. Hmm. They're nice people. What was that, in the parliament? Uh, at a, no, it was at the meeting of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe. Oh. The video's exposure was preceded by reports that major city in the city of Konotop, located in, York, in northern Ukraine, had been openly displaying anti-Semitic symbols. Hmm. According to the Jerusalem Post, the mayor, who's a member, the mayor Artem Semenikin, who's a member of the far-right Zavoda party, drives around in a car bearing the number 14-88, stroke a numerical reference to the phrases we must secure the existence of our people and the future for white children and Heil Hitler. Um, this, they replaced the picture of President Petro Poroshenko in his office with a portrait of the Ukrainian national leader and Nazi collaborator Stephen Bandanera. Mm. The release of the video with Vitro singing neo-Nazi songs coincided with an official visit to Israel by the President Poroshenko. In meetings with Labour Party members, Poroshenko downplayed the rise of anti-Semitism as a political ideology in the Ukraine and blamed Russia for promoting anti-Semitism in the Crimea. Mm. According to a Labour lawmaker, Poroshenko said, In the Ukraine, Jews have nothing to fear, but in the Crimea they are oppressed and not allowed in the synagogue. Jewish organisations... Jewish organisations in the Crimea, which is now controlled by Russia, declared Poroshenko's statements to be false. Last, last April, Poroshenko's government officially rehabilitated the country's Nazi collaborators, the Organisation of Ukrainian Nationalists and the Ukrainian Insurgent Army, and moved the country's Defender of Ukraine Day to coincide with the formation of the date. Um, the date of this. Netanyahu, the president of Israel, has stated that he plans to attend a memorial ceremony in the Ukraine. Mm. So being a Zionist leader doesn't interfere with you collaborating with uh, anti-Semites. Anti-Semites. 
anti-Semitic. Yeah. Bizarre. I don't know if I'd be too concerned about numerical references and symbols. I mean, they're just funny lines on a, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, but, but it uh, shows where their heart is. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, you know, and I mean... There is, there, there is a history of this in, in Ukraine, which welcomed the Nazis in. Well, that's right, but, that's but, right. But, but then again, I mean... you think it would be tad unfashionable. Mm. Oh, uh, we just received... Unfashionable, a- yeah. Well, I mean, you, you wouldn't think... I mean, like the, the backing of the United States with all the United American politics, you, 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 you find it hard. How do the Americans, you know, seriously sit with this? And how do they put it forward that they're in bed with this Ukrainian government? Well, they, they, but then again... They has, hide it. Yeah, they, they hide, hide it. The, they hide the anti-Semitism mm. of the Ukrainian government. And I'm sure that they very much hide the anti-Semitism of the Saudi Arabians. Back when the United States sent half a million troops into Saudi Arabia, apparently the Jewish servicemen, of which there have been quite a few, yeah. they, couldn't, they couldn't walk out in public. They certainly couldn't go to a synagogue and they could not oh, really? be openly Jewish at all. Right. In public in Saudi Arabia, right, you know, right, right. Uh, maybe in their, in their own base camp. So, yeah, they keep an awful lot of that stuff hidden. Right. But, right. yes, that's the... Uh, the People, we just received notice that there's no talk back today, as which is <laughs> bad news for us, given we prepared for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there's no producer, and this is the time problem with the holiday period. There's two staff members in there fully engaged, so we'll just have to keep prattling Tell on. Tell a few jokes, and, man. Uh, uh, so what do you think about the situation with uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran? Uh, I'm I putting you on the spot. Yeah, you, you are a bit. Okay. Uh, give me more explanation what you okay, mean. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, it's sort of interesting. I mean, these now that we've seen that the, uh, you know, the, the carve up and the practical destruction of, of two of the older powers, that, that you know, two of the formerly quite powerful countries. Two secular regimes. Two secular regimes, that's Three correct. Three Uh, Libya, Syria and Iraq? Oh, yeah, but I don't think Libya was ever, uh, apart from in Gaddafi's mind, uh, uh, Libya was ever really a a potential leader uh, in the Middle East, of all the Middle Eastern countries. No, but it was a secular regime, and Mm. therefore it represented an obstacle to US domination of the uh, Mm. the region. But I think that, 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 that there's three Egypt... Uh, Iraq and Syria was were all vying for quite some time to be the the leaders of of the Arabs. I know Iran is yes. not Arab, but the leader of the Arabs in that part in that part of the world. You know, uh, the, the Egyptians definitely under Nasser, and Iraq definitely under Saddam. Now Egypt has been a, it's still a very big country, still quite powerful, but it's been in a state of disarray. Iraq and Syria. Some people say, say they're, they're barely countries these days. They're well, barely functioning as no, actual right. nation states that's right. these that's days. Right. So uh, into the vacuum has come Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's right. It's the two counterpoints, yes. Yeah, these are the two that are now vying for power, and things got pretty serious over the well, past. Well, Saudi Arabia is simply a conduit for the United States. Mm. I mean, this, the United States supplies something like, uh, was it $5 billion worth of arms per year, to Saudi Arabia. So. Not simply, a, I mean, surely they, they, they are what they are in and of themselves. I mean, they have yeah, their yeah, own... Yeah, but, but their whole identity is to be a, the ally of the United States in the region, mm. which is why they can be head... You know, they can, the uh, Saudis can be head, I think it was 195 people last year, not a peep out of the United States, mm. who is shocked beyond belief when people that they actually financed, organised and trained, the ISIS, mm. cut off people's head, there's shock and horror. When the Saudis do it on a much, much bigger scale. I can see a time when Saudi Arabia, and hopefully it's not too far away, will not be quite so useful to the West. Well, the best thing that could happen would be there'd be a domestic revolution in, in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, well, okay, it's, it's, it's possible, you never know. But uh, I, I do think that, that the time has come, and this happens when a regime is just simply not useful to, to, to the Western capitalism. I mean, I mean for instance, if, if, for instance, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but if the oil was to run out, I mean, if the Kuwaiti oil was to be taken by the Iraqis or whatever has happened in mm. 1990, if there was to be no oil in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia would be considered... <laughs> well, negligible sure in the West remember, but do you think Saudi Arabia would still be useful if it didn't have any well oil? I think because they have more weaponry than almost any other country yeah, bought in the with the oil what bought with the oil oh no doubt regardless but hmm. they will still have them they will still be massively armed and deeply reactionary so 
they will still play a conduit for imperialist powers, mm. but of course not as much as if they're sitting on a pile of oil. Mm. But surely you can have another country taking the place. Another country could be the, the useful uh, conduit. Oh, yes, if it's, it's, I mean, know, imperialism is not a matter of principle. It's mm. who can, which reactionary forces in the region mm. can we support to thwart secular, nationalist and left-wing movements. Well, developed. it's economic, it's strategic. And that's why, of course, the, the Muslim extremists... Uh, have been built up by the West, mm. and now it's it's blowback, really, but they've been built up by the West, and uh, uh, now they're living with the consequences. And it's not as they, they hope that these forces would be controllable, that they can control these Muslim extremists. But, of course, the Muslim extremists, once they've got guns in their hands, why do they have to listen to the United States? They mm. can go and do their thing. Which is, of course, what they're doing. And but Saudi Arabia now, in and of itself, is flexing its muscles more and more. Mm. Partly, maybe because of the new regime. You know, I mean, there's this internal thing. Salman, the new uh, king, right. has, has been empowered for just over a year. Uh, the Saudis have practically invaded. Uh, Bahrain it was and where there was yeah, an uprising yeah. they now have Bahrain under control and Bahrain supports them and they're a little stoush with the Iranians. Uh, they're in Yemen. Yes, and uh, the Iranians are in. Yeah, you know, yeah, and the the Iranians are in Yemen. So these two, uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia, have been fighting proxy wars, in a sense, with each other. Well, that's yes, and and now it's sort of in the past uh, week with this um, this multi this massive kill. Forty seven were killed and one there. Yes, yes, but the the Shiites in Iran, they don't seem to be in the slightest bit interested in forty six of them. They're only interested in this one cleric. Yes, that's right. Yes, Ordinary folk. Yeah, well, too bad. I mean, yes, seriously. So what do you think of the regime in Iran? Well, it's a deeply reactionary regime that mm. came to power. Uh, but not as bad as the Saudis? Or? Well, Probably no, not, not as bad yeah. as the Saudis. Apparently, uh, yeah, a friend of mine goes and stays in Iran, re- re- and they stay with relatively middle-class people who despise the mullahs. Mm. So uh, it's altogether Iran is a more civilised country than mm. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, the princes there have been able to hold the people back. Well, the Sharia law applies much more in Saudi Arabia than mm. it in fact does Iran, despite the proclamations of the, uh, the mullahs. Uh. And there's a considerable opposition to the mullahs in Iran. It's not tolerated in, in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk for a little a tiny bit about... Bernie Saunders, mm-hmm. who is uh, one of the Democratic contenders uh, for the presidency. And he, at the moment, is coming up against uh, Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton is, of course, they're both in the Democratic Party. But Hillary Clinton is the establishment candidate. She's for business as usual. Uh, with The two major parties there, the Democrat and Republican parties, are both corporate parties. And... Clinton, who's a millionaire in her own right, of course, you couldn't think of becoming president. Multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. She would be the woman of the business, she would be the woman favoured by big business within the Democratic Party. But it's, I, I suppose quite a few people looking at the United States kept wondering how long would it take before the deteriorating economic circumstances of most ordinary Americans would become a dominant political issue. Well, it's taken over 10 years, but it's now happening. And one manifestation of this is the rise of Bernie Saunders. He's providing a powerful challenge not only to the Democratic establishment allied with Hillary Clinton, but also the school of thought that assumes that the Democrats need uh, an establishment candidate like Clinton to run a viable campaign for president. Um, Why this should be happening now is a mystery for historians to unravel. It could be the delayed effect of the Great Recession of 2007 and 8, or to economist Thomas Piketty and Emmanuel Suez unmasking of the vast concentration of wealth amongst the top percent and the 0.01% of Americans, or just the accumulated effect a disappointment for many American workers. And I'm talking about the immense concentration of wealth that's taken place in the last decade. Saunders brings a couple of things to the table. 
I think it's got to be said, in the long run, I don't think Saunders will succeed because the Democratic Party is a capitalist party. But what's interesting is the mass appeal that he is already picking up amongst ordinary Americans. And it gives a lie to this, the picture we often get here that all Americans are A, dumb. Which is what Obama was referring to. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, they put him in power. That's right. <laughs> that the, the, all, all Americans are dumb and that they're all irredeemably right-wing. right-wing yeah. Well, in fact, Saunders is showing that this is not the case, that the majority of American people long for something different but just aren't getting it. Good on them, yeah. First, uh, Sanders brings a commitment to the progressive ideas of Scandinavian social democracy, including free and universal health care, free higher education at state colleges, mandatory maternity and sick leave benefits, and higher taxes on higher incomes. You'd have to go back to Johnson's Great Society of the 60s to find anything remotely like it. The second strand of Saunders' radicalism is his excorating account of contemporary American capitalism which doesn't look anything like a Scandinavian social democrat. Here, Sanders is willing to name and denounce the new economic royalty, or what he calls the billionaire class, and that's exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. From these concentrations of wealth and power, Saunders argues, derive many injustices, the corrupting of electoral and legislative politics, with the Supreme Court Citizen United ruling, that is, where the Supreme Court allows corporations to donate any amount of money they like to whoever they like, the steady erosion of what the Americans call the middle class, which is actually the well, relatively well-paid working-class people, which has suffered stagnating income and declining benefits, even as corporations return to profitability and enduring his low historical interest rates. And the emergence of an American workplace where most employees are putting in longer hours, earning less, and suffering from less job security than ever before. Mm-hmm. There is the work of French economists, Thomas Piketty and Emmanuel Suez, documenting a growing and overwhelming concentration of wealth in the hands of the top 1%, and especially the 0.1%. The challenge, of course, is how do you organise those who have suffered in this harsh economy into a political force? Those being laid off, downsized, re-engineered or outsourced today are, in comparison with their grandparents, far more likely to find themselves isolated and alone, especially in middle-income families who are facing a drastic and very visible loss of class identity. I mean, American middle-class people used to think they were somehow a cut above working class. They were, in fact, working class people. Mm-hmm. But they were working class people with some level of education, some level of pay. Th- well, those distinctions are going. Those th- people are disappearing and they're being reduced to the vast mass of the working class. I think the definition of what is middle class in America can stretch from somebody like Donald Trump to somebody who thinks that having a roof over their head makes yes, the exactly. middle class. That's right. you know, That's so right. it's a pretty broad, it's like 99% in, in, in the imagining of what is middle class. Well, they you know, do and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the the word walking class has almost been... Put, put into the same basket it's as communist or socialist. That's you know? right. That's oh, right. That yeah. what? That's right. That's right. Now, you've got to describe the working class by anything by what it is. Yeah, because then you can deny its existence. Yes, that's and right. You yeah. can fragment it into identity. We have no proletariat. Colour, you know, colour or no. sexuality mm. or whatever. Spot on. Those being... Um, it's here in the third and least understood strand of uh, Saunders' radicals comes into his play his ability to organise these unrecognised constituency. One of the things that comes over strongly in the views of those attending Saunders' rally is the sense that they are no longer alone, that there are thousands of other people who are marched with the same predicament that they are and furthermore that they can change things for the better. So yeah. the great thing about Bernie Sanders is he's actually bringing out people to see that, you know, like, you know, we do have power if we get together, you know, if we actually organise. And, yeah, unlike what the establishment media is saying, we're not all alienated, we're not all atomised. We can come together. So that's the great thing about Sanders. Either. Yeah, and that's right, like Obama was referring to. But, I mean, uh, seriously, I mean, like, I, I don't want to sound negative, but, 
if Sanders, for instance, was to become incredibly popular, was to like be winning over a vast majority of people in the Democrat side, would he be allowed to succeed? Would he be? Would he be allowed to? I mean, seriously, would the Democrat machine, would the establishment? I don't think they will. I don't think. Would they allow him? Is it possible that somebody like? I mean, I don't know. I haven't known much about Sanders. I'll take mm. your word for it. You know, I like what you were saying. But I mean, would they? Could they? In a country like the US, let someone like Sanders get anyone near power. Well, I, 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 that's that's my thing. That it, the only way he could ever get to power is to water down completely <laughs> what he's saying. Mm. I think so. I'm not suggesting that Sanders will necessarily succeed in any way. What's mm. interesting is that he exists. Yes, and that what's more, he's becoming increasingly popular. How does he compare? Um, ideologically, politically, with Jeremy Corbyn in Britain? Well, I think there's a very great similarity. Because there is. It's a reaction against neoliberalism, which in this country, the Labour Party and the Liberal Party are both united neoliberals. Australia always follows England and America. Well, that's right. But that's I mean, so. I think the parties here, the Labour Party is a neoliberal party with mm. the same market driven priorities. Mm. And the fact of Corbyn and the fact of Saunders, though I think neither will succeed because they're both in capitalist parties. Uh, if they it's, do succeed, it will only be if they water everything down. That's right. That's right. I, uh, but, uh, yeah, they, w- Bernie Saunders, how many people in Australia know about Bernie Saunders? Very few because he doesn't get the same attention as Trump. Mm, or but Clinton. he's been very effective in b- building a strong base of supporters. The Sanders campaign has drawn more than 2.2 million individual donations in 2015, even surpassing Obama's record for the number of donations to a presidential candidate in a single year. But that was one of the big things that Obama did. He had an awful lot of people apparently contributing, and he went online and That's right. In the third quarter of this year, Saunders raised four times as much money as Clinton from donors contributing $200 or less. Mm. So ordinary people mm. are backing him. Mm. And ordinary people are entering the political stage, which for many of them would be the first time ever. And that's what's exciting about this. Not that we can have faith that uh, Saunders will succeed or that he will necessarily stick to his anti-capital policies. But the fact that he's there and the fact that he's drawing massive amounts of support and mm. that most of his donations are not corporate donations. Mm. They're coming from people giving less than 200 bucks. And you have to have this. You have to have, like, you know, Ferguson, Missouri or the Occupy movement or someone like Bernie Sanders to just at least galvanise people at least, at least to say, hi, we're not as stupid as what we're told we are. We can organise and we can make protests. And that there is a there is a, ch- there, is a, ch- a ch- yeah. uh, there is an alternative to neoliberal politics which put the interests of business first. That can be changed. There's nothing inevitable or God living here. I mean, there's something wrong when one family, yeah. one yeah. family, the Clintons, the Bushes. Well, I'm thinking about the owners of Walmart. Oh, okay. The owners no, the of Waltons, John Boy. What's that? John Boy Walton. John, well, uh, the owners of Walmart own more wealth than the bottom 40% of the American people. Uh, <laughs> this is an economy which is rigged, which is designed to benefit the people on top, and Saunders at least promises to create an economy which works for all people. He will fail, no doubt. He has weaknesses. His poll numbers have been much lower in the South, where he's not very well known because his campaign budget is so much smaller. So where's he best, Saunders? Sanders? Is it Sanders, whatever it was? Uh, I think in the west of the country, but I'm not absolutely certain. Yeah, certainly in the north. Until now, Saunders has avoided direct criticism of Clinton. The big question is, is whether he will extend his critique of the billionaire class and their corrupting political power. I think she's a mere multi-millionaire. Oh, is she a <laughs> pauper? Pauper. <laughs> um... Now, it's whether he will Saunders will go on to comprehensively attack the ruling class in America as it should be attacked, the billionaire class, or whether he will fade away, and uh, whether the pressure on him—I mean, if he really wants to succeed, he's going to have to compromise with the powers that be, because the Democratic Party is not an anti-capitalist party. It's just that the 
the dissatisfaction within the American class system is so huge that it's finding it's being reflected in the Democratic Party, even though the Democratic Party is not the party of the people in any shape or form. I must admit that the US presidential politics does have a kind of a razzmatazz, and I suppose because it's personality-based, it can draw you in. It's like a great big production, isn't it? You know? Well, US- it is, but, I mean, it would be depressing listen to, listening to someone like, and you think for two years of it, though, well, no, on, you know, but, that's right. But, but it is interesting every now and again to have, have a look and say, Well, what's going on with well, these characters? What, well, only because you're looking at Trump and you're thinking, you know, What insane thing can he say? Why aren't you mentioning Bush? I mean, Jeb Bush isn't isn't he the front runner? Well, he's I thought he's five percent of the is he five percent? Oh, of I thought he was supposed no, to be no, the front what, runner. He's the prime candidate, he was the prime candidate yeah, of the ruling class. Yeah, they're now having to think about putting their support to. Hillary Clinton, but Jeb Bush is only getting 5% of the vote. So who's rivaling Trump on the Republican side? Uh, well, Cl- Clinton, uh, no, on, on the Republican side. Yeah. Um, well, there's uh, Car- a bloke called Carson who's a black... The black fellow. A black fellow who's completely... Really, dead. really extreme. Oh, yeah, really extreme. I mean, he's a man who said that uh, the... Um, the pyramids of Egypt, of Egypt, which huh. were, as we know, built about 3000 BC, huh. were designed and built by Christians to yeah. store grain. Yeah. Now, I mean... You don't believe that? <laughs> well, <laughs> quite apart from the fact that the, yes, pyramids, were, <laughs> the pyramids were built 2000 years before Jesus yeah, yeah. was even oh, yeah, mentioned. Okay, all right, yeah, fair it's a bit of a problem. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they've even got the calendar to prove this. Well, that's right, that's right. And... Um, it's likewise, I read it also in um, in one state. In one state, they're trying to. <laughs> this is what American politics is like. In one state, they're trying to um, ban the evolution nipple. theory. No, 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 no. <laughs> much more dangerous than evolution theory. Women's tits, titties. Oh God, Chris! I'm sorry, defending me. Well, I mean, I literally mean that. I literally yeah. mean that. This state government is nipple attempting gate. to ban. Yeah. Any exposure of women's breasts in public, so you're not won't be allowed to breastfeed. Yeah, in public, I don't as it is as a rule. I tend, not, I tend not to as it is. Well, I don't. But yeah, women need to breastfeed. They need to breastfeed. Uh, that uh, that in an effort that the state is legislating this. Hmm. So on beaches, there'll be inspectors stopping people oh, new bathing. Right. That was a good idea there. from Saudi Arabia. They'll be there to arrest women who dare to breastfeeding. Which and state's this? Hmm? Which, I, 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 Maybe Saudi Arabia's become a state. No, no, it's it's in America. And the Republican senator for the re, uh, for the region said this. Uh, he said, if it's all right for women to bear their breasts in public, it uh, should be all right for men to squeeze them. Oh, okay. Sounds pretty no, reasonable. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can we be serious? No, no you, you, Yeah, okay, this is okay, serious. It shouldn't be, but it is serious. It's, I know it is, this is what this man said. Yeah, okay. And he's what? He's a governor or something? He's a senator. A, a Republican senator. senator. Oh, okay, yeah. So now, you mentioned just briefly, I just thought you might want to go back over it, the Great Society, which was uh, an end poverty drive by LBJ back in the 60s. Yes. And he went into areas in the Appalachians, for instance, there's an awful lot of white poverty. There was Mm. poverty of all all colours of people. But uh, can you just elaborate a little bit on that? It was was a good thing, you'd say? Well, it was, uh, as always, Mm. these things like the the big deal was brought in by... The The New uh, Deal. The New Deal, rather, was brought in in the 30s. In a way, it saved capitalism from itself. That's exactly right. That's right. It was only brought in because capitalism was in danger during the Depression. Absolutely. There was mass unemployment. There was a huge unemployed workers' movement. The Communist Party was gaining in strength. Victor Debs. Victor Debs was the leader. Sorry, Eugene Debs. Eugene Debs. I think he was a bit earlier than that. um, 20s, maybe. uh, So it was was a way of avoiding a social threat to capitalism Hmm. by by producing a budget that... Humanising it. But buying off the working class, in Hmm. other words, that if you brought in a number of forms, you would delay the fatal day and avoid any drift of the working class towards more left-wing parties like socialists or, heaven forbid, communists. So, and one of his proposals, as I mentioned last week, of uh, Roosevelt, was that anybody who earned more than $25,000, which is the equivalent of $380,000 in today's terms, all of it would be taken by the government. 
So if you earned 50000 You're pointing you know, at me in a I'm very threatening out. manner. Right, if, that's right. If you earn 50000 yeah, It's a big F, you know. Twenty Well, quite. Yeah. <laughs> if you earn 50000 then the government would take 25000 and leave you only with twenty five, which is the equivalent of three hundred and eighty thousand. So the government can't take it all. Yes, the government would take everything over twenty five thousand. Well, why would you own it? What? You just wouldn't bother working. You wouldn't bother. Well, it, that's what they did because a lot of wealthy people. You would have to explain if you were suddenly getting, a, if you were suddenly having an income of three hundred thousand a year, you know, say five, a half a million a year, uh-huh. and the next year it's you it. There'd be reason to investigate. It might be criminal. Or probably. Criminal, criminal. criminal. So that sort of thing was brought in. And Johnson mm. faced the same problem too. With the Great Society. The Great yeah. Society. I, I can't remember the details of it. But it was an attempt to placate the working class and draw working class support to the Republicans. Because remember that... The in Democrats. The, to the Democrats, yeah. sorry. Because we had had a long period of Republican rule under Eisenhower and uh, in the early 50s. Oh, well, eight years, just two terms. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the very rarely... So that the, was, this was to rebuild the, the Democratic Party as the party of the working class. That was what yeah, its aim was. Yeah. I now, mean, still, I those days in and of are itself, long gone. Yeah, those, in and of itself, it helped to end <coughs> poverty, and I suppose it was just like... Oh, in a minor that, way. Yeah. In a but, minor I mean, way. it's very, very rare that any one of the two parties gets more than two terms in government. Yeah. I think you really have to go back to Roosevelt. Roosevelt That's winning right. the four terms of office. And after Roosevelt, they said it was because they didn't want Nazism mm. or communism. They didn't want dictatorship. That's what they said. But after Roosevelt winning the four terms, they said from now on, no president could be elected for more than two terms. That's right. Mm. And since then, there's been no party which has won more than two terms. No, you're probably right. Yeah. I'm not sure. You 70 right years. Right, 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 right. You'll get, you know... But you'll... the point is, the, the two parties, in those days, just like in Australia, in those days... The Labour Party stood in this country for uh, stood for the interests of working people to some degree. All right. Sorry, I just corrected myself. Sorry, Reagan and Bush won between 1980 and 1992. Yes, I was thinking. Yeah. Sorry, but that was the only time. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now you've thrown me. Sorry. Yeah. Now I just had to correct myself because otherwise someone's going to maybe say, "Right, you're right, wrong." Right. Uh, no, I completely lost the thread of what we were talking about. Yeah, I interrupted you. you sorry did. about that. But yeah, well, you were speaking about the Great Society. Well, that's that's. I, I'm sorry, I can't give you even more details. Actually, mm. somebody at one point asked me to look up what the, about the Nugan Hand Bank. Yeah. Uh, so I might as well. We've got two minutes. Nugan mm. Hand Bank was set up uh, set up in the early seventies. Uh, one of its members committed. There was set up by a new, bloke called Nugan and a bloke called Hand. Uh, one of them, and I forget which one of them, committed suicide supposedly. And the other one was the other one. The, the the bank was used as a conduit for drug money, and it was also used by the CIA in various operations in Nicaragua and the, in Latin America. Oh, all sorts of stuff went on for all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It was used. Uh, one of the uh, Nugent, I think it is, now lives in, is on the run and still lives in the United States. There's been no effort to bring him back. The other bloke committed suicide. But the bank was a, a front for criminal laundering of money and for US special operations in mm. the reason. Well, people, I'm sorry we uh, weren't able to let you have your come on air and, and have call back. It's because we're understaffed and we're not allowed to answer the phone without uh, somebody, you know, we need a receptionist in order to do that and and to produce. And we didn't have that this week, so we can only apologise. Services will be on next week. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed at least some of the discussion that's taken place between us. We did have to sort of rather ramble on a bit. Again, I hope you forgive us that. And, uh, well, we'll see you in a week's time. Uh, now, you're going to give a, 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 a site or something, weren't you? Sorry? You're going to give an address or a site? A site? No, no, that was no. just a site in, in reference to the uh, workers in Turkey. Well, if you want a couple of good sites just to, for good reading, yeah. there's, the, uh, there's two that I use. There's the WSWS, which is the World Socialist Website, which can be a bit sectarian, but is very well, has some very informative articles. Well, it has a good and the class other one perspective is, often. Look up International Viewpoint, 
which is the magazine's come journal of the Fourth International, and that has articles from all over the world, wonderful stuff. So, which Fourth International? The Fourth International, thank the. you. The United Secretary of the Fourth International, all the other ones are... And what's it called again, sorry? I'm just writing it down. The United Secretary... No, 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 the, the website. Oh, International Viewpoint. Okay. Uh, which is a magazine of the Fourth International. They get articles from all That's very good. And the Worldwide Socialist Web, which is somewhat more sectarian, but also has a great source of um, a great source of information. All right, well, we have chatted on to, uh, rather too long. Please, I uh, remind you again, if there's any woman who... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.